I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. In this episode, we deep dive into a theory of motivation that might help you get out of a slump. We give you a possible explanation as to why your motivation may be waning, and we debunk a motivation myth. And in WWAWD, we answer Danny's question about taking on a client whose politics you strongly object to. If you've taken stock of how your life has changed in the last year and a bit, chances are you are feeling overwhelmed or perhaps underwhelmed at the same time. You may be overwhelmed by all things news, updates, the state of the world, and perhaps underwhelmed by what's right in front of you. Feeling unmotivated, like what you do might not matter, or having a sense of what's the point? I know I've felt these, these feelings lately, and there was a New York Times article by Adam Grant, who has a wonderful podcast called Work Life that I highly recommend, and he taught us about the word languishing, a quote from the article, languishing is the neglected middle child of mental health. It's the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. You don't have symptoms of mental illness, but you're not the picture of mental health either. You're not functioning at full capacity. Languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus, and triples the odds that you'll cut back on work. In my Zoom room and personal relationships, I've been hearing a lot of, I have no motivation, or I'm just not motivated. And this is sparking something in me because I did my master's at the University of Alberta and my thesis was on motivation and social emotional competence as it related to teachers and students. That said, it's still incredibly relevant here because in order to be able to do that work, I had to build an understanding of theories of motivation to help explain some of these behaviors. And today I want to dig in to one of these theories to help explain some of my lacking motivation, see if any of this rings true for you, Liz, and with our audience of we cannot be the only ones who are feeling this slump. I want to do a deep dive into one of my favorite motivation theories. Uh, it's Ryan and DC's self-determination theory that might help you figure out why you're lacking motivation and help you stop waiting for inspiration to strike. But before we go deep into that, LP, what's your relationship like with motivation right now? It's all over the place. It totally fluctuates. It's so funny that you brought up that Adam Grant article because the internet was a flutter when that article came out. It's oh, so yes. it's such a relief that we're all in the same boat and feeling this languishing state. Uh, I tweeted it and I said, hey, the New York Times wrote a story about me. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine thousands of other people had the exact yeah, same, same thing. thing. The yeah. fact that I was seeing it on so many different feeds, it's like, okay, this is in the New York Times. This isn't just me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big sigh of relief that we're all in the same boat and now we have a term for it. Uh, but my relation to motivation these days totally fluctuates. I'm all over the map. Uh, the last two days, 
I felt pretty good. I tackled everything on my to-do list. I actually worked out, which has been rare for me in the last month or so with my yoga studio being closed. I don't want to work out in the same space that I spend all of my time at home. So I just haven't been motivated to do that. But the last couple of days, I've been motivated to do all the things. Last week, total opposite. I was very meh. Uh, so I'm all over the place <laughs> with the motivation these days, very up and then very down. I hear you. And this is very common. I know I'm feeling it too. And these, these peaks and valleys of motivation, it seems like it's this mystical thing that, that comes and goes when it pleases as though we have no control over it at all. And I'm still very much laughing about the idea that the New York times is writing an article just about you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So when we talk about motivation, we are talking about how we are directed to act to achieve our goals. So motivation is is the mechanism that we talk about that moves us to take action. So when we say we're lacking motivation, it means we're not acting. Sometimes we get caught up in planning or just not feeling like you can get out of bed in the morning or not being driven to do any particular task. We often get caught up in really clever procrastination techniques, right? I have some clients who come to me, they're like, I need a strategy. I need a plan. I need a system. A system is the one that I hear the most. Like if I just had the system, then I could do the work. And I'm the person that say, I hear you. And often systems are a really, really great way to get stuck in the rabbit hole of the internet, trying to find the perfect tool so that you don't actually have to do the thing. When we talk about self-determination theory, the premise is that we are inherently moving towards growth. We are always moving towards something and that there are three core needs that will help us to grow, that will help us get to where we want to be. So the two researchers that build on self-determination theory and created this are a absolute geniuses. And I will link to a few articles in the show notes. The three core needs that they say are essential to be met in order to be motivated are autonomy, competence, and relatedness. And if these needs are met, it positively contributes to our overall motivation and our ability to take action. When we talk about autonomy, we're talking about a sense of independence. Are we able to act independently? Are we able to have some control over what we do and the outcomes and being able to make decisions? So by having a high sense of autonomy, We are more likely to be motivated if we know that what we do has a direct impact on our growth. Oftentimes when I work with teams who are either struggling with employee engagement or feeling like their their team isn't motivated, I come back to these three pieces. I'm like, are we meeting their needs for autonomy? The second need is competence. When we talk about competence, we're talking about our actual ability to do a good job. Are we equipped with the skills to do our tasks? Do we have the right resources in order to say, yes, I am doing well at my job or I'm completing things in a way that makes sense and is moving me towards my goal? And that third need that has to be met is around relatedness. And when we talk about relatedness, we are talking about our ability to interact with others, to connect with people around us, whether it's in a physical space, in a virtual space, but some level of experiencing care and empathy 
within our community, whether that's an immediate community and family and coworkers or an external internet community. If all of these three needs, autonomy, competence, and relatedness are met, it is likely that we will experience a higher level of motivation. LP, now that you hear these three factors, any alarm bells going off, any aha moments? Well, check. I've got the competence piece down. Big red X, not so much in the relatedness these days. Ding, ding, ding. Yep, bang on. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, this explains it. It makes perfect sense that these are the ingredients. And it makes sense how they would impact us. That community interacting, connecting piece is missing for so, so many of us right now. But also something to consider is the autonomy piece. I know we're talking about autonomy specifically with the work that we do, but when we talk about our ability to have control, we don't have control with so many parts of our lives right now. This pandemic has meant a lack of control. So you might have control over your work, but you don't have control over the larger things. And that might weigh on your motivation too. Exactly. What, what came up for me immediately as I was researching for this episode, I'm like, I know the relatedness piece is missing for a lot of people, but yes, even though I may feel like I have some level of autonomy or independence over my actual work, I'm still following bigger picture rules right? I'm still thinking twice of, do I need to go to the grocery store? Or am I allowed to sit on this patio? We're still following somebody else's rules. And that can definitely take a deep dive for our motivation, especially knowing that so many of the things that we would typically like to do after work, we don't have the same options available. And I think about those business owners that are following restrictions, regardless of where you are right now, to put in the work to do the thing, not knowing if customers are going to come to you, you know, like what a, what an ongoing battle. And I completely understand how your motivation would change depending upon whatever circumstances you're dealing with. And I find that the competence and the relatedness piece can actually be connected because sometimes we have proof of our competence when we get feedback from other people. Having somebody say, oh, you did a great job on that, or I really like the approach that you took here. Relatedness and competence can be intertwined and we can develop some some proof that we know what we're doing when we see how it works within a bigger machine. But when we are isolated, not only is our, our relatedness off kilter, but we might not have that same reinforcement or feedback that we would if this was a quote unquote normal environment. In my work with teams, I talk a lot about how self-determination theory can support not only our personal work and motivation, but how to support our teams. So if we're feeling that there's this general kind of malaise or lack of motivation, it's like, how can we pull the lever on some of these factors to increase feelings of autonomy or increase feelings of competence and relatedness to prove to our team that yes, motivation matters and there are ways that we can, can increase our feelings of let's get the job done. The big question that I can feel our listeners asking is like, okay, great, Amanda, thank you for telling me about this theory. So what? How can we actually increase autonomy? How can we increase competence? How can we improve relatedness? So I just want to bounce back and forth some ideas with Liz of how can we look at each of these factors 
and recognize what can we do in the situation that we're in now, where many of us are still working from home, where there are restrictions and rules on what we're allowed to do, but still get over the speed bump of, oh, I'm not motivated. I'll just slide back down, right? We talk a lot about like, how do you get over the speed bump? What's the nudge that you need? So when it comes to autonomy, one of the big things that came up for me to increase autonomy is to pay attention to the decisions that you are making and what you do have some control over. So maybe I can't necessarily control exactly where I go or if I can go to a coffee shop to work instead of being in my home, but I can look at what am I choosing to put on my plate today? I think when there are days where you're feeling like you have no control over anything and you are just in in the hands of whatever the world situation is at the moment, take a look at your schedule for the day or write a list and then look at it item by item and just think, what you have control over. So break it down. And I think that by the end of that list, you might end up feeling just a little bit better, realizing the power that you do have. Because I think there's a lot of helplessness right now, but to be able to break it down and force yourself into a bit of an exercise, so we love a list, uh, This uh, it might leave you feeling a little bit better uh, really figuring out what you do have a sense of control over. One other piece that that follows very naturally from the list is when you're looking at all the different things that you're doing, maybe you can't control the hours you work or the tasks that you have to do, but can you have some autonomy over your location or your level of participation? Um, For example, in Zoom calls, I'm usually a camera on person and I use my facial expressions to prove like I'm on, I'm listening. But Lately, when I felt exhausted, underwhelmed, unmotivated, I'm in a group call with 300 people for a program that I'm in. And I'm going, do I really need to have my camera on and give the speaker all of the positive reinforcement? No, I'm actually going to change my level of participation and I'm going to have my camera off and just listen. So again, it's another opportunity for me to make a choice when people are stuck in slumps to, I know not everybody has the luxury of space that said, if you do, and, and in our place in the world, it's getting nicer outside. Can your Wi-Fi extend outside so you can sit somewhere else, move to the couch, switch spaces with whoever else is working from home. Just these little tweaks can help you feel like you can have some autonomy. If you are working with a partner, a boss, somebody else on your team, there's also an opportunity to say, hey, can I take the lead on this project? Or let me do some of the behind the scenes work before I present it to you. And asking for more of that independence, taking initiative is really highly valued in a workspace. And that doesn't mean you have to burn yourself out, but there's an opportunity to look at this as, a way that you can increase your independence and saying, I'm going to take this on. Let me take a crack at it first so that I'm motivated to do some great work. Liz, I'll start with you here. How do you think somebody could increase their feelings of competence? I will share a little something that I learned from you. It is in your notes, so I'm half stealing it from you as well. Uh, But it's uh, the victory log or having a folder in your email or someplace where you keep all of 
good stuff. All of the feedback, all of those little notes that make you feel really, really good. This is a reminder to me that I haven't looked at mine in a while. And I think maybe I could use a little pep in my step and kind of read through some, some old emails. So gather that proof that you do a wonderful job and that you are kick butt at what you do and just have that little, little evidence for yourself. So you can take a scroll back and, and get that much needed boost whenever you need it. The victory log is a beautiful term. Uh, a colleague of mine, Shelby, alerted me to this term and I love the idea. I've borrowed it, which is get the notebook, the iPhone note, the whatever it is. And the victory log is keeping track of all the things that have gone right. Everything that you are celebrating. And it is important to do it in the moment because often we forget about these successes and we move to the next one. Coach Jenny calls this puddle jumping, where we just jump over these things as though they were no big deal, as though it wasn't something that we were really working hard for, when in reality, we worked really hard to be good at what we do. And so even something as simple as sharing, Liz and I have a shared uh, photo album where every time there's a testimonial or a positive comment, we save it in there. And that has, has two purposes, right? We wanna promote these amazing results and this feedback to future clients, but also it's part of my victory log going, it's working. In addition to gathering this proof from yourself, I'm here to say, ask others. Ask other people that you respect and care about what do you love about working with me? What made you hire me? How would you hire me again? Every Claim Your Spotlight client that I've had gets an email that says, I want more people like you. Help me find them, which means I want to know what worked for you. What were your results? What was the relationship like that we had so that I can find more people? And one big piece that I think connects to competence, even though we are really good at being tough on ourselves is to take stock of what you're good at. Just have a second and go, I'm actually really skilled here, or I love this part of my job. Because the competence piece, again, if you are constantly feeling like you're not good enough, or you're not being gentle on yourself, and you're being really tough and saying, oh, I suck at this, or I could be better, Pay attention to what you are good at. And you know, in this space, we talk about showing up and showing off. And showing off is a part of that. Again, I'm, I'm here to reclaim that as it doesn't mean you're a bratty infant who's just hungry for attention. It means that you know what you're doing and you're proud of it. That final area is about relatedness. And we know that our relationship element of relatedness is really challenged right now with rules and restrictions and not being able to gather or see our friends. And in order to increase our feelings of relatedness, I am on team commit to less, but commit to better, right? We talk about essentialism, do less, but better. And for me, relatedness is really about finding the right people. So for example, I spend four to six hours a day on Zoom calls with people, which means that at the end of the day, when friends say, do you want to have a virtual drink? I'm kind of tapped out from Zoom calls. So that might mean that my relatedness is sitting on the porch with my partner away from my screen, but it's finding the person who can fill that need. Liz, what's comes up for you in terms of increasing your feelings of relatedness? 
is a really tricky one for me because I moved to a new city shortly before the pandemic started. So I don't really, I don't really have people I can sit on the porch with. A lot of my visits need to be through the internet, which is hard. Uh, I've tried to make a point of not so much scheduling it because I don't need to add another thing to my calendar, but being really intentional with assigning myself to text someone that I haven't talked to in a while. Mm-hmm. Having that proactive piece doesn't mean I always listen to it, <laughs> but the intention is there. Um, just trying to make an effort, I think, is really the ultimate lesson for me. And I think where the effort goes, sometimes the relatedness isn't about the back and forth. Sometimes it is less about the conversation and more about the reach out. For instance, earlier this week, I reached out to my friend Jenna and I explicitly said, I'm thinking of you. You don't have to respond to this, but here's why you crossed my mind. And it ended up being one of the most like pleasurable 10 minute text conversations where we were able to connect, lean on each other, have some like, oh, that sucks. And oh, that's great. And that little piece just kind of buoyed my spirits and went, okay, yes, I do still have friends. I can still have normal conversations. And we were able to talk about things that weren't work-related or COVID-related. Huge right now. I feel like all we as a collective have to talk about is COVID and our work because we're not escaping our work because our work is our home for a lot of us. Uh, So it's so important to think about other topics. (laughs) Yes. And even with retail business owners that are open at reduced capacities, having customers come in, it's like, oh, I'm tired about talking about masks. I'm tired of talking about COVID rules. And so I've been encouraging some of my retailers of like preempt that conversation. So instead of talking about COVID, instead of letting it go that way, it's something else of like, oh, you've got this great outfit on. Tell me about it. What are you most looking forward to this summer? Or what are you most proud of having accomplished? Having some more engaging topics. I used to be so annoyed when people would talk about the weather. I'm like, this is so boring. Is this all we have to talk about? And at the same time, I'm looking outside now I'm going, oh my goodness, it's spring. We can talk about weather instead of talking about COVID. What a relief. (laughs) So with the relatedness piece, I think there's some bringing back some intention to it. Can we not talk about this, but I want to talk about something fun or let's watch the same movie together. I want to debrief on it some piece that says we're not talking about work, but I still feel connected. And for me, when I was preparing for the podcast, I started to go back to, so what would I normally talk about when I'm getting coffee at the co-working space I'm in? I see Liz thinking right now. I see your, your eyes just went up and go, what did I used to talk about? I think I talked, I mean, and you would know this. I talk about television a lot. A lot. It's wonderful. I think that that was probably a large piece of my conversations. Television is not work. It's not COVID. It's not weather. So putting yourself back in that space going, hey, when I did run into a friend on the street, what were the first things that I would talk about? Is it TV? Is it, have you been to this store? Is it what are you cooking? There's, there's something else. And so maybe we have to work a little bit harder for it, but if that motivation really matters, I'm confident we're going to find a way to get there. 
now that we have a sense of these three pieces and we've brainstormed some ideas to impact our autonomy, impact our feelings of competence and relatedness, now we can think about measuring motivation in a different way. So LP, I'm going to ask you, what do you see yourself needing more of or less of in order to achieve this more optimal motivation? Definitely need more of the relatedness piece. Uh, and I think that comes with having more intentional visits or intentional outreach with people, I think is, is a big one. Uh, but also that autonomy piece too, and thinking about what is it in my day that I can control and putting my whole ass in, into those pieces, you know? I'm with you. I actually really think that the autonomy piece is one that I'm lacking right now. And if you subscribe to my newsletter, I put an ask out about a week and a half ago where I am seeing my amazing clients use my piece of advice or thought leadership around don't ask, don't get, and they're getting these amazing opportunities and I'm helping take care of their businesses, but turns out I've neglected mine a little bit. So I sent that newsletter saying, I'm seeing these amazing results. It's time for me to get some of my own autonomy and pay attention inwards and go, what do I want now? What is my next step? So my job is to, to really step back and go, how can I ensure that every week I get to work on my business and make choices just for me instead of only doing the work with clients where I'm supporting them, their businesses and connecting the dots. So there has to be some harmony there. So I'm really looking to increase some of those feelings of, of autonomy as well and, and pulling out that victory log again. I promise that we were going to debunk one motivation myth. And that is that sometimes we get caught up waiting for inspiration or wait to just magically be motivated again. And it doesn't work like that. The Irish writer Ralph Keyes is known for saying, serious writers write, inspired or not. Over time, they discover that routine is a better friend than inspiration. And that sticks with me. I remember reading this in a, a writing book a long time ago, and this idea that routine is a better friend than inspiration continues to stick with me. It doesn't mean that your level of motivation doesn't change, that we go through peaks and valleys, or that it isn't impacted by what's happening around you. But what it means is that by creating this routine and being really thoughtful about what elements you need to increase that motivation, that is where your time is best spent. And playing with that routine is a better way to move towards what you want instead of hoping that inspiration strikes. So I'm debunking inspiration as a motivational tool because if you're waiting, you're gonna be waiting a long time. My hope is that by doing this mini deep dive, you can look at these three areas and see how they can positively impact your own motivation. It might even be worthwhile to step back and go, when have I been the most motivated? What were the circumstances and how can I recreate that now to see where you have some control, where you have proof of your skill and ability and where you can positively engage with people in a way that reminds you that you are moving towards something bigger. So I would love for you to tell us which of these three areas, autonomy, competence, or relatedness, do you find that you need to be a little bit more fulfilled? And how do you think you can get these needs met?
oftentimes in our Instagram community, when you share, we see more people looking here for inspiration and ideas. People are cruising the comment section going, what are they doing? What is she doing? So that they can figure out some additional tools. So by you coming out of the woodwork and sharing, it really helps us grow this community and in, invite people and say, you're not alone in feeling this. We have a great question from one of our community members today for WWAWD or what would Amanda Wagner do? Today's question comes from Danny, and this is a this is an interesting one, AW. Danny says, What do you do when you strongly object to someone's politics, but they want to hire you? What are your thoughts there? This is tough. This is really, really tough. My initial thought is. This is where we go back to basics. And if your brand has a value statement or a mission that you are working towards, that is often the easiest place to go back to and say, could I in good conscience have this person as a client and still be upholding my values? So there's an internal litmus test for you. Externally, my immediate thought is, how do you know their politics? Is this through a form on the website that that they explicitly said, these are things I believe in and need to be um, serviced? I'm not sure exactly what business that you are in, but to know that somebody wants to hire you, are you able to do your best work with them is kind of my bottom line question. It would be in, in my professional development and training business, I often say, I will work with a variety of industries, but I will never work with a company that sells firearms, for example. That's not something I believe in. And to be honest, I would not be able to do my best work given these circumstances. So when you're saying, what do you do? To me, it's internally first, go back to that statement, go back to your vision, your values, your purpose, and seeing if it fits. I often encourage people to see if their clients will self-select. And maybe that sounds passive. Maybe that's okay. But there is an element of, in order for me to do my best work, we have to agree on this and this and this. And based on what I'm seeing, I'm not sure if that's there. I can't do my best work. Here's somebody else that you might be able to work with. You don't even have to send recommendations. But I often come back to this place of some money is too expensive. And if you are in a situation where you can turn down a client, it's the fact that you're asking this question tells me that you know there's something wrong. And I, I want you to be able to sleep at night knowing that you are serving people who align with your beliefs and values so that you don't have to question your own integrity. I have a feeling that if you are running your own business, you started it because you wanted that autonomy, because you wanted to be able to say yes and no to what you wanted. And this is putting you in an extremely difficult position, but I want you to try on the idea of working with them and see, does that make you feel really cringy? Then it sounds like it's, it's a bad idea. And you get to decide how much or how little you want to share. You can be as upfront as you'd like and say, our beliefs, our values don't align. And I don't think I can do my best work for you. You can also say, 
I'm booked. I don't have space in my calendar. Whatever will help you sleep at night is, is my answer. And I'm not here to say that that is the only answer or the right answer, but I'm here to say that what matters most is, is your conscience and what is going to help you do your best work and, and to work with clients that you want more of. And it sounds like by working with this person, you might get more clients that you don't want. So to me, by nipping it in the bud earlier, you're, you're putting your foot down and saying, this is what I do. And this is what I don't do. And it's a great opportunity to spend some time thinking before you get the question again, these are things that I simply won't do, or these are industries that I don't want to work with. So that if it comes up again, it's a little bit more black and white. Danny, I hope this is helpful. I know this is a, a challenging question, but I hope that it gives you something for this exact situation, but also moving forward, how can you make sure that those, those things are outlined ahead of time so that you don't have to face it if it comes up again? Thanks for your question, Danny. A great question, a great answer, AW. Thank you for that. And please keep sending your questions in. You can submit them uh, via Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or visit theamandawagner.com and submit via the contact form there. Yes. Thank you, Danny, for your question. Please keep submitting more. And in the meantime, join us on Instagram and let us know where do you need a little oomph? Is it autonomy? Is it competence? Is it relatedness? And how do you see yourself fulfilling these core needs so that you can have this increased level of motivation and move forward to what you want? If you are feeling motivated to do something big, something different, or want to look at work in a different way, Claim Your Spotlight is for you. Please visit theamandawagner.com slash claim your spotlight to sign up for a free workshop. If you are in the depths of despair and feeling like you're not motivated, maybe there's something that we can change to help get you there. And if you're curious about how to make your social media platforms better and tell your story digitally, connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or lizpittman.com. Thank you again for joining us in this mini deep dive of self-determination theory. There are some great articles and resources in the show notes if you are interested in learning more. My hope is that this episode motivates you. And if you are feeling motivated, we would love for you to continue to follow our podcast, listen to us every two weeks. And if you are inclined, please leave us a rating and review because it helps more fabulous people like yourselves find us. We will be back in two weeks with a new episode. We're revisiting a listener favorite subject. Just going to leave that. That's the tease I'll give you. Ooh. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. And until then, as always, we will see you on the internet. I love that tease. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that felt good. And mm -hmm. it's, it's very true. Um, what are you drinking? A really shitty iced coffee. <laughs>